Well, good morning, everyone. Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word today. A nice, simple, short one from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. Simply, verse 35. One verse. Hope you guys can contain yourselves. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Father God, may you honor the reading of your word today with hearing, with understanding, with the work of your Holy Spirit, God, to bring this truth, to bring your truth to bear on our lives. May each of us gathered here in this room, in this moment, may we hear afresh from you through your Spirit speaking to us. Those who are gathered online now or even at, at a future date already known by you, I pray, Lord, that they will have an encounter with your Holy Spirit that will take your truth and embed your message in hearts and minds so that we will be filled and fulfilled and we will see your truth and embrace it. Lord, may we come to you. May we believe. May we receive. Lord, no matter what has brought us to this place today, Lord, I pray that whatever's going on in our lives or in the world or whatever it is that may be a distraction or whatever it is, Lord, nothing will interrupt this moment of hearing from you as you speak, may we truly listen. As always, Father God, I ask for my words to not get in the way of your word, but for you to work, to speak, to bring glory to yourself. As your son Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, oh, Father God, is lifted up. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin this year, oh, first I want to say a very special welcome to those who are joining with us online today. We're so glad that you're a part of the Oak Park family. Remember, you can participate in today's service, at least during the live stream in real time, by texting in comments or questions, prayer praises or prayer requests to 805-481-7092. And if you are a first-time person texting in, we'd love to have a name to go with the number so that we could pray for you by name and then also follow up to help you grow spiritually. We would love to have the honor uh, to do that. As we begin this year, we're beginning a year with a focus on Jesus' call to discipleship. That was Jesus' ministry. Jesus came preaching, teaching, and healing in order to call people into a relationship of discipleship. And so we're taking it step by step over this, these weeks and in the coming two months leading up to Resurrection Sunday at the end of March, uh, a journey in Jesus' call to come, to come to him, to believe, to receive, to follow him. Jesus' main message was for people to believe. Belief is such an important part of the human experience and human nature Believing is how we get through things. We will believe it will all work out, right? That's how we endure some of the things we have to go through. 
if you may remember or you may recall from some of your uh, old, some older movies or some some things you may have seen before, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Getting a little bit long in the tooth now, but well, so am I. So here we go. If you remember that iconic scene, first off, just who's seen Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Raise your hands. Pretty good. Sean Connery. Harrison Ford. And if you remember one of the last scenes, Sean Connery as the dad is, he's been shot, he is dying, and Indiana Jones, uh, Harrison Ford has to go and go through these, these, these three, uh, trials or these three, um, obstacles in order to get the, the cup of Christ, which will bring eternal life and, and all of that in the story. And obviously, Indiana Jones Sr. is a believer in the power of Christ, Indiana Jones Jr. is not. Um, he is not a, a believer in God. He has just merely relegated it to, to history and all of that. And as, as Sean Connery, as his dad is dying, he, he clutches on, he says, you've got to believe. Now, he doesn't say you've got to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior. He doesn't say that. He says, you've got to believe that God will be with you. He doesn't say that. Just, just believe. Because the assumption is that there's power in belief. Changing tracks a little bit for perhaps any of you uh, sci-fi uh, types of nerds like me. The fantastic show Firefly, which was then the, also in the movie Serenity. We'll probably lose about half the audience on this, but bear with me just for a moment. In this sci-fi thing set about 500 years in the future, Christianity still exists, which makes it very rare in sci-fi. Uh, most sci-fi says that humanity will evolve past religion, but, but a form of Christianity still exists in the world of, of Firefly and Serenity. And one of the characters is even called the Shepherd. And the implication there is that he is in some form a, a Christian pastor. He has a Bible and he reads and things like that. And there's one scene where he too is dying because belief in the face of death is always a great literary device. And as Shepard is talking to the main character, who also is not a believer, he's not a believer in God or anything, the shepherd says, it doesn't matter what you believe, just believe. Horrible advice, not the advice of a Christian pastor, but literally and thematically it works. That's so much of our society. It doesn't matter what you believe, just believe, because there's power in believing. And it's there literarily, it's there in a lot of the, the spiritual guides and the gurus and the self-help characters of, of our day. It's the power of faith. Now, now faith may not have an object or, or a tangible aspect to it, but it's just believe. And as you give yourself to belief, then, then good things will happen. The universe will align for you. All of these things are so predominant in our popular culture because as human beings, we are, we are wired towards belief. But Jesus gives us something very specific and tangible to believe in. And that's what he calls us to, to believe, not just in the power of belief, not just in something, but he calls us to believe in someone, him. Jesus began his public ministry where he wandered the, the Judean hillsides and the backwaters and visiting village upon village. His public ministry was preaching, 
about the kingdom of God and teaching about life in that kingdom and what it would look like. He begins his ministry with an announcement, a command, and an invitation. After John was put in prison, Mark records in his first chapter, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is simply the reign and the rule of God. Now, the scriptures do say that the evil one, Satan, is the ruler, at least in some form, or more precisely, the controller over this physical realm. Humanity has joined in Satan's rebellion against God's reign and rule. And so in this present temporal physical realm, Satan exerts control. But the kingdom of God is not absent. The kingdom of God is not vanquished. The kingdom of God is not without power. The kingdom of God, though, is something different. Jesus said it's not a physical kingdom. It's not going to be located at a place. It's not going to have boundaries. You're not going to have a passport to be able to travel into the kingdom of God or to leave the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is a spiritual empire, not a political one, not a physical one. When Jesus was discussing the reality of the kingdom of God with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, who always understood that the work of God on earth would be through his people and through them as a political entity, the Israelites, the nation of Israel, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom is a spiritual reality where we must believe that it is, but it's also something we must be rather than see. Now, now most literally, the, the kingdom of God is, is Jesus himself. When he says, repent, the kingdom of God has come near, he's like saying, the kingdom of God has come near in me. So repent, turn turn, and look towards me and you will see the kingdom of God. That's the most literal understanding because Jesus is the king and where the king is, that's where the kingdom is, right? So the kingdom is this spiritual entity, the reality where God reigns and rules over individual hearts and minds and lives. The kingdom of God is the kingdom within individuals whose hearts are submitted to the kingship, to the lordship of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, the, the spirit of Jesus indwells the hearts of those who are united to him through faith. Then those people together wherever they may be, whenever they may be in time, 
no matter which country or kingdom or nation they may reside in are citizens of the kingdom of God. It's a kingdom within. It's a kingdom within the individuals, but it's also a kingdom within the kingdoms of this world. But we just have to repent, which means to change, change your thinking, change, change what you're seeing in your mind, and then act subsequently. It's turned towards that. Jesus saying, repent, the kingdom of God is here. Turn to me, look at me, and you will see the kingdom. It's time to believe the good news. Throughout his ministry, Jesus, as he called people to believe, he, he expanded on what it is, what it means to believe, and, and what, what believing is, and what believing will accomplish. Jesus associated so many key spiritual truths with believing. Believing in Jesus brings us into the light of knowing God rather than living in the ignorance of darkness. In John 12, 46, Jesus says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Darkness is, 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 is thinking about the world or thinking about life with the absence of God's presence or absence of God's perspective. Elsewhere in Scripture, we, we, or we learn that with darkness is associated the futility of thinking as we're trying to make a go of it on our own. But Jesus says, I have come to bring light into darkness, the light of knowledge and truth and wisdom from God himself but we've got to believe in order to see. Believing in Jesus is how we actually see God the Father. And this is perhaps one of the most, one of the most controversial or most uh, ununderstandable aspects of the ministry of Jesus. Jesus actually claimed that whoever looked upon him with physical eyes or with spiritual eyes. And it's always a spiritual sense because as Jesus was saying, the words I give to you are not my words. They are the words of the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen God the Father. By seeing Jesus, we see God the Father. Jesus cried out, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. If you want to know God, look to Jesus. If you want to experience what God is like, look to Jesus. Jesus is the fullness of deity in bodily form. It is through Jesus that we see God. We've got to believe. Believing in Jesus' words changes our eternity. Uh, this is something that also that is just, it's, it's almost incomprehensible, but what we believe determines where we end up in the life to come. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. 
the, the power of believing does bring life. And there's, there's a whole host of, of actual um, sociological studies and psychological studies that show the power of belief help gets, gets people through. But Jesus says, whoever believes in my words has passed from death to life. And believing in Jesus is the mechanism by which we are allowed into eternity with God rather than apart from him. And this is all through his gracious goodness as we know in scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now, whether that's fair or not, whether that's politically correct or not, we'll deal with that in just a couple of minutes. But the key for everything in Jesus' teachings is you've got to believe. Belief, as advocated by Jesus, however, was never just limited to believing in facts or even believing in certain truths or truth statements. Jesus called people to believe in him, not just things about him. Jesus calls every person to believe in him. That means he himself, who he is as God in the flesh, what he has done as Savior, what he is doing as Lord, what he will do as the King of kings and Lord of lords who will bring creation to a completion point. That's the focus of our belief. And through this belief, which is, I think, better understood as trust, through this trust in Jesus, as we believe in him, as we repent from looking at the world or the self or anything else, as we repent and turn to look to Jesus, and we look to him alone, we will be given we have life after physical death. Something I've been so struck with as, as I've watched certain um, just, you know, just TV shows and movies and things over the last few years, as our culture careens farther and farther away from being <clears throat> undergirded by a Christian biblical worldview and, and biblical truth, there's a resurgence of, of so many pagan ideas and, and non-Christian ideas that they've always been present in a lot of our, uh, our, our popular culture, but they're getting more and more pre pre uh, prevalent. I think that's the right word. Um, does anybody have interpretation for that, by the way? All right. Much more prevalent. There we go. L and Vs. Boy, those things can get a little bit mixed up. But there's so much of this, this hopelessness or fear of what comes next. There's so much of this railing against death, which, which, is, which is natural human nature. But all of this, these things in pop culture are so saturated 
with either an ignorance or a fear or just an, an abject um, rejection of anything good possible with life with God after death. And it's very nihilistic. It's very hopeless. It's very depressing. But that's most of what modern creative literature and art is giving to us. Jesus came so that we could know that physical death, yes, will come, but it is not the end. It is not the, it is not the final. It is not the end all be all. It is merely a consequence and a transition point into what is next. We know that as we trust in Jesus, we will, as his believers, as his disciples, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we can know with as much certainty as we can have on this side of eternity that we will have life after physical death. As a pastor, I have the privilege of being with people perhaps in their final moments of this life. I, I was not present when my mom passed away so many years ago, but as she was in the in the care center and as her hours were coming to an end, the primary nurse who was her was one of her caregivers was actually a girl I went to high school with. We were we were friends and so she would call me and give me updates. My mom as a believer in Jesus in the in the, the hours before she died, um in the words of my friend, she said, She's had a steady stream of visitors today. Now, there was nobody checking in at the front desk. <laughs> but there was people that she was talking to all day long. Even more recently, those among our church family who have passed, the stories are the same. As death approaches for the believer, the, the, the planes of reality... The, the physical and the spiritual begin to intersect. And in some instances, the, the division of what the life is or that, that what, what awaits and that is, that is coming soon, the, the lines of demarcation begin to fade and disappear and glimpses into that realm are very real and very powerful. For the believer in Jesus, Death is never to be feared. Now, the way we die can be feared. <laughs> Do not want to be buried alive. Ooh, that just terrifies me. Claustrophobic. You know? Dying in a fiery car crash. Not my choice. But death itself is not to be feared. Because Jesus has already been there, done that. <laughs> He already conquered, and because he conquered death through him, so will I, so will we. Through trusting in Jesus, we not only have that hope that, that should empower and embolden us every day and encourage. Through Jesus and trusting him, we are spiritually sustained in this life. Like our verse says, anyone who comes to me will never be hungry. Anyone who believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, physically, we're all going to be getting hungry, right? And some of our minds already be, make, be moving to what we're going to be having for lunch and where we're going. Because, yes, we still get hungry and we still get thirsty. So Jesus is speaking metaphorically. But the power of what 
of, of who he is and what he has said, how it sustains us and fulfills us is so powerful. He is the bread of life. His words do provide not only nourishment, but sustenance. And as we look to Jesus, we can be sustained in this life. He wasn't speaking of Jesus directly. He was actually a Jewish, a Jewish man, but the great humanitarian and author and concentration camp survivor, Elie Wiesel, wrote about his experiences in the concentration camps in World War II. And as he concluded and as he went through everything, trying to figure out who survived and who wouldn't survive, he said, those who endured, those who endured were the ones who held on to hope or who held on to belief. The ones who gave up, the ones who gave up hope, the ones who gave up believing that they would someday possibly escape or that someone could get through, they were the ones who died before their physical death. The ones who survived, even though horribly mistreated and tortured and malnourished, the, the, the bread and, and the water, the, 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 the hunger and the thirst was absolutely overwhelming. They were able to hold on and to survive. They were sustained because they held on to hope. Those of us who hold on to Jesus, yes, will also be sustained even if deprived of what the natural body needs in this life. That's through trusting in Jesus when we truly believe. Through trusting in Jesus, we're connected to God himself through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified, which means Jesus had not been, yet been uh, crucified and dead and buried and resurrected. But because Jesus has been resurrected, returned to life, and he's reigning right now, the Holy Spirit has been, is what is sent, is who is sent to us, connecting us with God. In every moment, in every circumstance, in every experience, in every situation. Book of Romans, the Apostle Paul writes that it's the Holy Spirit living within us who when we don't even know how to pray, when we think we can't pray, he is praying on our behalf. He is talking to God in the midst of our struggles. Paul also talks about how because we have the Spirit living within us, we have hope that cannot disappoint us or put us to shame. We have that tangible hope. When Jesus calls people to believe in him, why is belief so important? It would have been so much easier to say, hey, you know what, you want to get into heaven? Here's your 10-point checklist. You know, we're going to give most of you 70 or 80 years to figure it out. Not everybody's going to have that much time, but hey, just here's the checklist. Do the 10, sign on the dotted line, and you're good to go. That would be kind of nice for those of us who like to make lists and like to check things off, right? 
But could you imagine wasting your life and then, ooh, the time's coming quick. It's like, oh, I've got eight of the 10 things still to do. Am I going to have enough time? I don't know. And of course, there's always those surprise endings for life as well when we're never prepared. But, but instead of a checklist or, or moral perfection or whatever else God could have chose, he chose belief. He chose faith as the determining factor. Why was this so important to God and to us? In the time before Jesus, in the centuries and the eons and the ages before Jesus, God was still active. God was still communicating. God was still present in this, in this world, but he was communicating and he was in relationship with people through what are called covenants. And they go all the way back through the Hebrew scriptures, what we know as the Old Testament. God made covenants with Noah and Abraham and Moses. Those were the bigger of, of the ones. A covenant's a basically a relationship agreement. It's deeper than a contract. It's not just sound like it's a it's a it's a enmeshing of life together with privileges and responsibilities and rewards and all of this. As God made all these covenants, he knew they would fall short. In fact, of all those covenants, God was the only one who was faithful in the agreement. The humans weren't. The Israelites were not. And God even says, in the midst of those covenants, there's a time coming where I will make a new covenant where, where my law will not be written on stone. It will be written on human hearts. It won't, be, it won't be a legal code. It won't be a moral code. It will be a relationship with the heart of flesh. And it'll be between me and the person and, and the persons who believe. God promised that. Belief is so important because belief can't be faked. In all of those covenants, as worship of God was conducted, as allegiance to God was professed, God, throughout many of the prophets that he sent to call the people back to repentance, such as Isaiah, he says, the Lord says, these people come near me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is based merely on human rules they have been taught. It was external. It was surface. It was perfunctory. That's a hard word to say. Can't believe I messed up relevant or relevant. I'm going to mess it up again. Relevant and perfunctory. Performative. In the midst of all that, God says, I want the heart to obey is better than sacrifice. Because belief from the heart cannot be faked. It cannot be artificial. It is authentic. It is true. It is genuine. It is real. It is love. It is trust. God's always wanted the heart. So he selected belief. He selected faith. Now, belief and faith, they're intimately connected to the mind because we have to, we have to believe certain things are true and real and all of that. But ultimately, belief is an issue of the heart. And we live what we truly believe. 
regardless of what we may say or even what we may think we think. That's your deep thought of the day. We truly live what we we live we live what we truly believe in our heart of hearts. Because who we are is just going to come out. And real belief in Jesus. Real belief automatically produces obedience to Jesus' lordship. The Apostle Paul wrote in the book of Romans explaining this. He goes, this is the message of faith that we proclaim. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, which is very good, you need to do that, and believe in your heart that God raises him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, both before God or in God's eyes, and results in righteous living as well. And one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Jesus calls every person to believe in him, to become a disciple through that faith. Because everything hinges on belief. We also learn from Jesus that every work of God in your life will point to believing in Jesus. Scripture, once again, the Gospel of John, they asked him, what must we do to do the work works God requires? Give us the checklist. Give us the to-do list. Give us the laws. Give us the moral requirements. What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So let's get real, real nuts and bolts here for a couple of moments. If you are pursuing a life of spirituality but not religion, if, if you are looking for that, 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 that ethereal, more abstract type of spiritual experience, if it is not directed at believing in Jesus, it is not of God. Because the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Believe in Jesus. If you are trying to do it on your own, if you are trying to make up your own laws or rules or things you think will make God happy and please God and be blessed of God, but you're not looking to Jesus, you're not believing in Jesus, you're not following Jesus, it's missing the point. To know God is working in your life beyond a shadow of a doubt is everything will point to looking to Jesus, believing in Jesus, learning more about Jesus, looking to Jesus for guidance and direction, submitting to Jesus. That is the work of God. If, if, if belief in Jesus and looking to Jesus and obeying Jesus is not a part of your, of your equation, your spiritual life, your practice or anything, you're missing the whole point. Because God, in his word, says everything will point to Jesus. Jesus himself said, this entire book, 
Us Protestants have 66 books, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Jesus said every single word, every single book, every single chapter that has now been, been discerned. Original copies didn't have those. Jesus says, everything points to me. It's all about Jesus. So come and believe. Believe in who he is. Believe in what he has done on the cross and at the resurrection. Believe in what he is doing, which is reigning as Lord. And believe what he will do as King of kings and Lord of lords, who will bring your life, our lives, this world, life, this world to completion in the timing of God the Father. Believe. Next week, come and receive. We get to see what Jesus does in our lives. I'd like to have...